How y'all doing? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold and the takes are hot. Uh, our final 2023 NFL Draft Positional Rankings episode is coming at y'all today. Uh, the two positions we have not covered, if you have been tuned in, are the interior offensive line and quarterbacks. Um, we each looked at seven guys from each position, ranked the top five guys, one through five, in order, leaving two guys out that we're going to talk about first. We're going to go in ascending order going from the two left out to number one and then we're going to start with iol go on to quarterbacks and then that'll be it we will have just a normal episode this upcoming friday just talking about mainly a uh, free agency early stages the recap of that i think we have an nba standings update golf update and stuff like that per usual and then next monday real quick um we will have our first Mock Draft Monday, first of six editions, of the sixth one being the Monday before the draft on that Thursday. Um, so stay tuned. A lot of stuff coming. We have three episodes in the next seven days or six days. So stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, without further ado, we'll get this one going. Uh, start with IOL. One of the two guys that I left out of my rankings uh, was kind of an easier decision made by the injury he sustained at the Combine. And that's Andrew Voorhees, uh, the guard out of University of Southern California. Um, overall, really solid athlete. He played pretty steadily all year. Early on, you were thinking he could be one of the top guards taken. Um, he's from Kingsburg, California. He was 6'6", 3'10", at the Combine. Overall, a pretty solid prospect. Um, I didn't notice he was as quick as I thought he was watching. He wasn't quite as quick. Um, and that led to him, you know, kind of in polls and stuff being a little bit slow but nonetheless he was really really good up front um he could you know block gaps over at a time pretty easily and he had really good pass pros something i noticed um he was fairly powerful but i just wish the feet went with his block a little bit more um i don't i don't know exactly where i where he's going to get drafted you figure a late second early third if i had to guess but it all depends on honestly where he uh where the guys in front of him go. His combine stats, he had a 8-foot, 9-inch broad jump, a 29-inch vertical, and 38 reps on the bench. This was after tearing his ACL. Um, he had the most reps at the combine out of any player. Really, really impressive, and he should be a good um, you know, left guard probably at the next level. Yeah, um, Voorhees was one of the guy was one of the guys outside of the top five. Um, again, the injury is really what did it for me. Um, Probably would have been in consideration to be in the top five had he not sustained the injury. Um, it's going to keep him out the whole season. And unfortunately for him, I mean, he's not a younger guy, right? So he's um, he's, he's a sixth-year guy at USC, um, you know, started in 44 games, so a lot of, a lot of experience there. But unfortunately for him, um, he's just not going to – it's going to hurt his stock. Um, he's going to be 25 by the time he actually plays football for you, um, which I know that – Age isn't doesn't always matter, but at the end of the day, like it, it does matter to a lot of teams. Like how much better are you gonna get, especially um, kind of with interior offensive line play. So um, as unfortunate as that is, like that's just the reality that we're in. Um, the word I give Voorhees was was plain. If you watch his tape, um, he never really gets like the the peaks are, are aren't super high and the valleys aren't super super low. Um, you know, stays pretty steady as a player. Um, really strong. Um, I mean, you hit everything else with the feet and, um, he's a pretty good mover, but, um, I like to see him be a little bit, a little bit better in the climb to the second level. Um, but he's super strong. He put up like what, 38 reps on the bench. 
with 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 no leg drive. I mean, that's crazy. So he's literally just sitting there pressing it off his chest, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. Whatever. I think it was high thirties. Um, expected to blow up the bench at the combine, but um, no, he's he'll he'll be a solid guard. Um, you know, replacement level starter um at guard for a team, you know, in, in about a year. Hopefully his rehab goes well and all that. Um, and he can kind of get back to playing healthy next year. Um, then the other guys I, I had outside of my top five was Cody Mock out of North Dakota State. Where to give Mock? I mean, he's an athlete, man. He really, I mean, he really is. He's a converted tight end. Um, was recruited to play tight end at North Dakota State. Um, goes there, ends up becoming an offensive lineman. Um, played tackle for them. He's definitely a guard at the next level. That was made pretty clear to him at the Senior Bowl, um, considering that he was, you know, they kind of quickly moved him to, um, you know, the interior. I think he got a couple reps of tackle maybe, but he did not go well. Um, just from a like from a size standpoint, he's just a little too small, um, you know, weight wise to go try and be a tackle on the outside. You know, the, the shorter stature, um, he can definitely put on a little bit more weight. He's probably going to um, at the next level can play guard. Um, he's really physical. You know, I, I like the way I like the foot speed. I like the foot fire. Um, you know, he, he's, he's not necessarily this crazy finisher. Um, you know, if, if you want guys who are super big, super powerful, super imposing, more like a Steve Avila type that we'll talk about, I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, that's just not Cody Monk. That's just not his game. The, 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 the natural way he has to play his game. He's got to beat guys with his, with his, with his speed and quickness. He's got to beat guys with his hands. Um, but he's he's actually a really smart player, I thought. Um, obviously, it's going to be a tough transition to the next level. I mean, we've seen a lot of, especially North Dakota State, offensive lineman prospects, prospects come out and take a few years to transition. And a lot of times, like Dylan Ardunes is a great example. He was a guy who was pretty highly touted tackle prospect out of North Dakota State in 2020 or 2021. Yeah, 2021. Um, and he is he's a guard now. Um, just because, you know, these guys sometimes athletically, they just, they can, they can survive out there and play well out there at the, the, you know, the FCS or the D2 level. They just can't, it just doesn't translate sometimes in the NFL. And that's okay. Um, so I think, I think Mox going to be like a guard for somebody in a couple of years. He's going to take a transition period of knowing he's going to struggle and he may not be able to start right away in the NFL. Just the jump from, you're jumping two levels of football, right? Um, you know, the jump from FCS ball to, you know, D1 power five ball is, is a level. And then you jump a whole nother, a whole nother huge level to the NFL. Um, and while he, he was pretty good at the senior bowl, I just thought there were some deficiencies that you're going to see at the next level as well. But um, overall, I'm a fan of Mox game. Yeah, for sure. He's a guy I watched as well, um, but we'll get to him a little bit later. Um, as I guess I will hit uh, my last guy that did not make the top five um, since you got yours real quick. Um, my other guy was Ohio State's Luke Whipler. This was tough for me. I honestly thought he would be in the top five before going into these rankings. I think he's going to be really, really good. Um, I did not get the age on any of the IOL guys, but he's from Montvale, New Jersey. Uh, he was a redshirt sophomore this season, so third year, probably only two years of playing, and uh, probably fairly young. He's 6'3", 303 at the Combine. He had a he didn't have a bad combine. He a little bit more athletic than you would have thought. Five one four forty is a little bit slow, uh, but thirty and a half vertical, eight foot ten broad, four five three twenty yards total. Those are all those are all good uh, measures right there. Overall, um, I don't quite know what to think. He's pretty solid. You didn't really see him make many errors overall. Um, 
Grant, he was playing on a really, really good O-line with two incredible tackles. Um, but you rarely saw him make errors. I mean, he was he could do everything pretty well, um, but he didn't do anything really, really well. And I think that might hurt his stock a little bit. I think he's probably a third rounder. Um, obviously, a lot can change between now and then. I think he has a really good knack for what you're supposed to do on the O-line, being a part of a loaded offense. I think it was a little easier for him. But I think he has a really, really high like playing IQ. Um, in terms of overall what he did, I think this past season was a little bit better stat-wise um, than his prior 2021 season. Um, he was pretty pretty good on polling. Um, I know I mentioned that with Voorhees. Whipler was probably top two polar out of the guys I looked at. Uh, really, really solid getting out in space. He could block safeties uh, occasionally, but not too often. Um, he, he wouldn't match up against those guys, mainly linebackers and stuff like that, of course, uh, DN sometimes. But it, it, wasn't, it didn't seem like he was that strong. Um, you know, he had 29 reps on the bench, but for a, he's probably going to be a center. That's not too impressive. He um, was a little, little excuse me, a little bit smaller. I think he had shorter arms overall. And for a center, that's not a huge deal. But um, against some bigger O-linemen or some, you know, bare fronts where you could see some guys, some bigger guys shifted in maybe on a shade or a one tech uh, could cause him some issues, um, you know, getting pushed back a little bit. But overall, he was pretty good. Um, Yeah, like I said, he just missed the cut. Uh, And I think he'll be a third rounder, but I really like his game. I think someone's going to get uh, maybe a steal. I think realistically, I think he should be a second rounder, but I just think he's going to be a third rounder. Um, I think that's what a few different places were saying a day two pick, uh, but I think he's going to be on the back half of day two. Um, you know, overall, not a bad IOL class, but I think Whipler definitely doesn't benefit from it being a good center class. Um, I think he's a really, really good center and he could be a day one starter for a team. It's just a matter of where is he going to get taken and what's that fit going to look like? Yeah, um, we feel very differently about with Luke Whipler, which is great. We haven't had this a lot on this podcast. Um, the guy who's in my, it, firmly in my top five, firmly in the center one conversation for me. Um, obviously, these rankings aren't going to display that, but when, when I was doing these, I was like, man, he's really good. So I'm glad we have that. We have not had a lot of that on this podcast yet, which is great. Um, but I'll go ahead and give my top my number five guy real quick, um, and then we'll kind of. We'll do the whole we transition back and forth thing, but I'll, I'll get my top my number five here. Um, this is probably gonna be surprising. Um, like you said, it's a solid IOL class. I don't think it's it's not top heavy like it was last year where you had you know Kenyon Green. I think we both had Zion Zion Johnson as as IOL one. Tyler Smith was kind of a fringe guard tackle under being really good guard and a sort of very serviceable tackle. Um, I think last year's class was a little more top heavy with round one talent, whereas I think this class is really really deep. Um, with great depth. I don't know if there's any, I'd probably take the first two guys in my rankings late in the first round. Um, don't know about everyone else, but um, I think all these guys are, are, are round two players in, in my top five here. Um, number five, I've got Steve Avila at a TCU. Um, this is a guy that a lot of people like is guard one, a lot of people are guard two. There's a lot of people's IOL too. Um, he's got versatility to kind of to play center. He didn't play a lot of center at, T- at TCU. I believe he got a, a handful of starts there over his, over his career. Um, believe he was what a three-year starter at TCU. Um, I think so. 
really, I mean, really good player. He was an All-American this year, um, obviously a huge part of that TCU success this year. Um, but I, what I will say, he's really strong. Like I said, that, that was the word um, that I gave him was strong. Um, and I think he he moves. Here's my I'll, I'll get my reservations out first is that I, I think he's athletically going to struggle in the NFL, at least kind of off rip. Um, he's not the best mover. He's not the best climber. And unfortunately for guys that are going to maybe play center and that need to play on the interior in most offensive schemes. You've got I mean, you just, you have to, to move a little bit better than he does. And it was a deficiency at the senior bowl that kind of got him beat a few times. And it just isn't something that I look at tape and I go, man, like like last year when like when we watched Zion Johnson and I bring up Zion because I watched a ton of tape. I watched I poured over tape after the Chargers picked him. And the biggest thing about Zion was he was super strong and he thought he moved. He moved so well for a guy that big and that strong. And I just I wish Avila moved better um, because he's at, the ability to climb is a little bit deficient. And then, then the screen game as well, it's like. He's getting out there and he's moving fast. It's just he's not moving quickly or very agile. Um, that said, he's he's a really strong dude. He's got a great anchor. He's big. He's long. Um, he's a pretty big IOL. I mean, like obviously, like a science a science tourist is a is a mammoth human being. From like an IOL standpoint, Avila's a taller, bigger dude. Um, I mean, he's a smart player as well. I think he's got good hands. I think he's got. Um, you know, I think yeah, the stunt identification is good. It's things I'd like in his game to be a little bit better. I think he, he his timing with his punch could be better. I think he his eyes are too quick to leave on certain, you know, when you're passing off loopers and crossers. Like, I'd like him to stay a little bit longer and stay home for it as opposed to trying to get out and help buddy set or, you know, get help on an, on the edge. It's like, man, let the tackle just take care of that. If he's the right in the NFL, for the most part, you don't see a lot of inside moves. You see a lot of guys trying to bend the corner, right? If you got a good tackle, just let it, let them handle it. Um, like a lot, like there's a lot of tackles who just want to don't don't give me any help. I don't want it. So I think with him, it's just stick to the inside, stick with what you. need. I don't know. I again, Avila's a really good player. I like him a lot. Um, I just think he in space, he's very uncomfortable. Um, when he when he gets in space, when he's pulling or when he's which he didn't do a lot of at TC. They were maybe one of the most zone heavy teams in the nation. Um. But when he's when he is in space on screens, on wide zone, on even if he's up climbing in space on inside zone and linebackers vacate, he's got to go climb up to a to a safety, which happens sometimes. Right. If the linebackers are stunting outside, there's well, there's no one here. You just keep you keep climbing. You keep going. Look for the look for the nearest defender at that point. And when he gets in space, he looks a little uncomfortable and like he he's, he's a little he's, he plays a little uncertain, which you can't you can't do. That's 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 the biggest crime you can commit as an offensive lineman is playing uncertain. You've got to play fast and you've got to play with intention. And I think it's, it's not, at times he just doesn't play with a lot of intention when he gets in space. Um, that said, he's awesome in pass pro. I think um, he's awesome against the interior rush. I don't think he's going to be very good against, um, you know, speed rush on to the outside shoulder. But again, it shouldn't be an issue for that. That's, that's, that's mitigatable risk. That's something you can, you can work on with him. That shouldn't be a huge issue for like guards the next level. Um, like he got a, he got beat a, a few times in one on ones, but that's not gonna. Those are not indicative of guards how they perform in passport the next level always. Um, gonna be a learning curve, but overall I think Avila's game is good. 
Um, there's just some things that I was I was hoping he would do better. And that's part of the reason why the limited athleticism is why I've got him at five as opposed to the guys who I have ahead of him, who I think all have much better athletic profiles or just better all-around games. Yeah, I agree. I like Avila a lot, uh, but he's not my guy at number five. Uh, my guy at five is Cody Mock out of North Dakota State. Um, I was actually impressed. Like I said, going into it, I thought Whipler would be probably at five or four over Mock, and I thought Mock would be one, the, one of the two guys I left out. But as of right now, uh, that's not the case. You know, Cody Mock, he did go to the Combine. He didn't have a bad Combine. Um, he's from Hackinson, North Dakota, so a local guy uh, going to North Dakota State. He's a redshirt senior, um, so a little bit older. Six foot five, three oh two are the measurables on him. He ran a five oh eight forty, which wasn't bad. A one seven nine split, twenty nine vertical, nine foot broad. Uh, Four five five shuttles a little slow. Twenty nine bench isn't the best, uh, but overall, a good combine for him. I think you know him just going in public at all is going to help his uh, stock. I think you know the more he goes to, the better it's going to be for him. Just being from a smaller school, uh, FCS. I think overall, he has what it takes to succeed at the next level. He reminds me his mantra kind of like Quinn Miners esque. Um, in terms of like how he carries himself, very, very similar mountain man vibes. I, right, and I think because of that, he overall, when he was playing, obviously not going against great competition at all. Um, but a six-year guy, he was playing really, really well the past couple years, uh, which is big for him. I noticed overall uh, lateral quickness. He was actually pretty good. He moved pretty well. Um, he didn't have as much power as you thought he might, but he was really good quick um, laterally. I think he had overall was pretty balanced in terms of passing stuff off. Um, he never like lunged or anything uh, when attacking blocks. I wish he was a little bit more powerful, like I said. Um, I did notice he wasn't always striking first. It feels like the defender was striking first uh, at him more so than not, um, which wasn't always great in pass protection, but in run blocking he was pretty good um he was better against speed than i think power and you don't see that as much on the interior as you do uh on the against the tackles but just overall um he's a big big human um bigger than average center if they put him at center guard wherever you want to play him i don't know where teams are going to want him and they're you know when they scout him where they think he could play for their team I liked him a lot. Really cool guy. We're rooting for him. Um, I know he got a lot of attention at the combine, like I said. And, yeah, it'll be fun to see where he ends up. I think he'll probably be around three guy. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of IOLs taken, you know, day two, um, similar to running backs and linebackers and a couple other positions. But definitely looking forward to see, you know, how his career ends up. No doubt. Um Back on Mock a little bit. I think he, I think you hit the nail on the head with him, dude. I mean, he's awesome. Um, I like his game a lot, and I think again, if he he was close to me in my top five, um, I just felt like the guys that I had I liked a lot. Um, there's a guy in here that you didn't watch that um, whose game I liked a lot, just with an experienced guy. But Mock's awesome, dude. He's he's such a stud. Um, he's so likable. I mean, he might be the most likable guy in the draft. Um, similar to like Quinn Miners, like a couple years ago. Um, but do you want to hit your number four? Or do you want me to hit number four? Um, we'll go back and forth. Who we want to? I I I'll hit my four since you didn't watch him. Um, 
Okay. I've got ooh, this on. Give me one second. I want to make sure I don't butcher his name. Um, you, you, it's the Michigan center. I don't. I, I want so badly not to butcher his name. Um, because he's he's an awesome dude. I love him. His game is really good. I, he was a transfer from Virginia. Um, I believe he played three years there, or four, three or four years there. Transferred to Michigan. Um, started right away and was. He's awesome. Yeah, he was a fifth-year guy for them. He's an all. He's awesome though. He was really good this year. Um, oh, they're not gonna give me the phonetic spelling. There we go. Hang on. I just say Olu Olu. All right. I believe it's Olu Shagun, Olu Watami. I really hope I didn't butcher that. Um, but. This guy is really good. I, I liked his game a lot. Um, they gave, the word I gave him was dependable. Didn't allow a sack last year. Um, again, he's an older guy. But I mean, that, that's kind of a thing. You don't see Iowa leave early. I think there's, what, one guy in this class who left early, and it was Whipler, right? I think everyone else is was a full four or five years in college. I mean, even, like, Torrance was a, Torrance transferred to Florida from, was like, was La Tech or Louisiana. Yeah. Um, Schmitz was a full four years at, at Minnesota. He was a senior bowl guy. So like, you, I mean, the, the the age thing doesn't bother me as much with these guys, um, unless you're like a sixth or seventh year guy, kind of like where he was. Um, but he he's awesome, man. He he again didn't allow a sack. I thought his game was very again very dependable. There really weren't a lot of deficiencies in his game. But like when you watch the tape, obviously that 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 UM offensive line was awesome. That said, he was probably the best one this past season. I mean, he was really good. Um, again, when he's climbing, when he's what again, when he was climbing, whether he is just pulling around, I, I don't know. The thing I liked about his game, I guess the most. Um, sorry, I'm trying to get off of trying to clear these tabs, get back to my sheet. Um, he's just he's an experienced guy, and. He, he plays like he plays like a veteran player who's played a lot of snaps and that's invaluable I think in the offensive line position because you go to the NFL and you're a lot of these guys are expected to start right away he's probably a center only and there will be a team that drafts him to, to play center from day one um or back up a veteran he's probably gonna get hurt um but the thing with him I mean again he he's not gonna blow you out of, similar to Vore, he's not gonna blow you out of the water there's no, there's no plays on tape where you go, oh my god, that's like, that's like Creed Humphrey level stuff. But you don't watch tape and go, man, that's a terrible missed assignment. That's a terrible this, this, and that. Um, I just think he performed well at the Senior Bowl. Again, the one on ones are not good for interior. I mean, they're just not representative of the interior offensive line. I think he's got a good anchor though. Um, again, the big, the biggest thing for me is he, he never misses his, he never has any MAs. He is never misses assignments. He's always where he needs to be. He's always picking up the right guy. He's always, you know, he, he when he climbs, he's always he's, his eyes are in the right place. He's always attached at the hip to the defender. He's he's in a combo block line. He's he's always get his eyes where he needs to be. He always comes off the block at the right time. Um, like linebackers don't shoot gaps against him. It just doesn't really happen. You see that a lot in college football where, you know, a guard or a center is late getting off to a linebacker. This doesn't happen with him. He's always there. Um, I guess I'll say the one thing he he's not gonna overwhelm anybody athletically. He like he's not the most, he's not the greatest athlete of all time. Like the guy I have at three, 
overwhelms people because he's such a good athlete at the position, I think. Um, he's not the best lateral mover. Again, he's not he's not like this all-world center. He's just he's just reliable. He's dependable. That's, again, that's why I gave him the word dependable because there's, all you can really do is say, man, this guy's going to go out there. He's not going to miss any assignments. He's going to he's going to he's going to play well. He's not going to play great. He's not going to be an all pro. He's not going to be a pro bowler. Maybe he makes a pro bowler too, but it's like, you know, if that's worth talking long projection, you know, eight years down the road, but from day one, he's going to be a dependable player who probably is not going to blow any assignments. Not going to be any, Hey, like, Hey, look out blocks. Like where you just whiff and yell at your quarterback from the ground to look out. Like he's going to be just fine. I think, um, again, the ceiling's not very high, but the floor is pretty high too. Um, so I'm a big fan of his. I'll, call, I'll say Olu for now. I don't want to totally butcher his name, but I'm a big fan of his game. Um, guy who transferred from Virginia. Um, a lot of playing time again, so um, dependable is the word that I think really sums up his game. Yeah, I haven't really seen much of him. Uh, definitely want to get to him at some point. I don't know when that'll be. Um, but yeah, I like it. I always like um, those guys that proven – in power conferences, obviously playing on a really good offensive line um, for a really good team that, you know, obviously made the college football playoff. So it'll be fun to see um, kind of what I see from him. Uh, but I like it. I like the shakeup and the, uh, I guess, the differences in our rankings so far. Um, Absolutely. But I'll get to my number nice. four guy. Um, it is Steve Avila. He's out of Arlington, Texas, so pretty close to TCU where he played. Redshirt senior, a little bit older, uh, 6'3 and a half, 332 with the combine. His combine stats ran a 5'2", 140, 29 and a half inch vertical, 8 foot 2 inch broad, 4'7", uh, 4 shuttle. That was not great. And 28 bench press. Not great, uh, but not terrible. Overall, I thought he was pretty good. Being an older guy, he's played in... I think 33 games. He's pretty strong uh, play strength. I did notice he had a few penalties, which wasn't great, obviously. Um, I noticed because he was a little bigger, he wasn't quite as agile. There was a little bit of trouble with him picking up um, stunts and stuff like that. He kind of touched on most of the stuff. Um, I mean, his size is going to be big for him. One of the biggest guys in the IOL class. Overall, can be pretty versatile. You know, center guard, you probably are fine either way. Uh, but the experience is going to be big for him. I think he's probably going to go in the third round, uh, like a couple other guys, maybe around 80. Um, wasn't that quick getting out in space. Obviously, wasn't doing it too much at center. Um, but I don't think he's going to be a guy that you're going to be pulling a lot. I think he's going to be more a road grader type that you're going to want to throw out there. Um, you know, obviously they don't have different packages for offensive line for the most part. You're not, you know, swapping guards every few plays, but I think he could definitely be there and, you know, six offensive linemen packages and stuff like that. Um, like I said, wasn't great, um, picking up stunts and stuff, but overall a pretty solid guy. I really liked what I saw, um, really just going off what I saw in a couple other games and then watching, I think the UT game, um, pretty solid pretty clean for the most part. Like I said, there were a couple deficiencies in his game, but not as bad as a few other guys. Um, but yeah, overall pretty steady in 
his uh, play and his production on the field. And that's why he ended up at four for me. The guy I had at three was a guy you said you didn't watch in Joe Tipman. He was Wisconsin center this past season. Wisconsin always known for throwing out pretty good players in general, uh, let alone offensive linemen somewhere in Notre Dame. Maybe not at the same level, uh, but Tipman is from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Another pretty local guy, redshirt junior, um, 6'6", 313. He's a a big guy all around. Um, He played pretty well early on in his career. Um, Obviously, with the redshirt year, he didn't play as much. But other than that, he was playing really well. I think he's going to eventually be a solid starter for our team. I don't know if he starts year one just because of a depth chart thing, unless he really, really impresses. Especially, I think he's more of a niche guy, like center, than an IOL in general. Um, but I did like him overall. I mean, you look at him, he he had a great mullet. He trimmed it up a little bit, but he had a great mullet. Um, definitely, you know, kind of like Creed Humphrey-esque mullet back um, when Creed's was at his peak form. Um, but actually kind of seems pretty similar when you think about it. Um, while the offenses they played in were different, and obviously Oklahoma's offense was a good bit more skilled, um, you know they both have experience. They both played in fairly big games. Um, I think the thing for Tipman is how well can he play at guard is going to be big for his stock. I think that's I'm sure something teams are talking to him about in interviews. Um, you know guard experience, how much he played guard, how much what he could do as a guard. Um, but yeah, he's Great size. He's surprisingly athletic for the size he is. Um, never any snap issues, which was good. Something that's overlooked sometimes. Um, and, yeah, he just moved well for his size. which is big for me having him at three. The main thing was he's just a really good mover for the size he was. Um, like I said, being one of the bigger guys at 6'6", 313. I didn't really see too many deficiencies. Um it's tough to kind of nitpick centers just because it's not like they're doing a whole lot compared to guards and tackles in terms of assign like blocking assignments. They're mainly just zoning or, you know, in pass pro they're either blocking to the left or the right, not doing too much pulling. Um, you know, especially in Minnesota, I think because he was a little bit bigger while he was athletic, his pad level was a little bit high. Uh, you know, defenders would sometimes get leverage on him by, attacking lower and attacking quicker um overall liked him a lot not a ton on him but i liked him enough to be at number three it's just the two guys i have ahead were better from what i saw um i'll go i'll I'll keep it on a similar pace here not joe tipman um i watched i i saw a couple clips of him um so i'm not i won't i won't i didn't feel comfortable to provide any analysis on him but um Definitely a really good athlete. I mean, an elite athlete at the center position. Um, but the guy I've got at three, like I said, stay on the same beat here with a Big Ten center. I'm going to go with Luke Whipler, Ohio State. I was a huge fan of his game. He's so smooth. Um, again, I believe he's the one early declare of the group here. Um, he's Yeah, he was only a three-year player at Ohio State, but I believe he took over after, and I'm going to forget his name. What was the center's name? Josh Myers. Josh Myers. Josh Myers. I believe it took over when Josh Myers left after 2021. Um, I believe he's a two-year starter 
yeah, he started 19 games for them, um, starting at center for for Ohio State. So thing with the thing with that I really liked about Luke Whipler's game is he's he's an elite. I think he's again he's an elite athlete at, at the position, but I think he combines that with being um, a very good just football player. He's a smart player. Um, again, he he played on a great offensive line with two great tackles. I'll be honest, they didn't love the guard play on Ohio State this year. I don't know how you felt watching their tackles. And again, I saw a lot of Whipler watching both their tackles. I watched, I mean, I watched the whole Georgia, um, Ohio State, like all 20 or the end zone view. I watched the whole game, um, watching the defense, watching the offense. So, um, you know, I think he's he's probably not a power scheme guy, but he's gonna he's gonna go he's gonna go to a team that runs a zone scheme and start day one. Um, I think he had. You don't really see a lot of super athletic guys have really great grip strength. I thought he had really good grip strength as well with his hands. Um, his hand placement was really good. The hat placement was really good as well, um, which is something that you – I don't want to say advanced, but it's something that's, that's I think, forgotten about a lot is getting your 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 helmet placement right, getting the you know on the play side of a guy, getting your hat where it needs to be um, to kind of wall guys off on certain blocks, and um, especially when you're pulling around on, on a wide zone or – even if, you know, they, they pulled the center a lot at Ohio State, actually, um, which I like in a pin and pull kind of outside zone play. I guess it's not zone if it's pin and pull, but you get the point. Pin and pull outside run. Um, thought he ran really well to the outside. Thought he pulled well. Um, you know, I thought he was he fought his his hand fighting in the run game was advanced for what you see from college, because especially a three, you know, what, a two year starter. Um yeah, I thought he always fought with his hands. Again, this is a byproduct of Ohio State's offensive line coaching is phenomenal. Um, these guys are really advanced for what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like they, you don't see many two-year, three-year starters. Um, you know, two-year starters are guys who were juniors in college doing the things that a lot of like Paris Johnson Jr. did some some advanced things with his hands as well. Um, you know, he's a little small. Personally, I don't really. The size does not bother me with centers. I mean, Corey Lindsley is a smaller center. He's one of the best centers in football. Um, and he has been for three or four years now. So size doesn't bother me that much at center. I think that that's a very manageable. As long as you're quick, you're athletic, and you have great hands, and you're smart, which all I think Whipler has all of, you can be a little smaller. That's okay. As long as, as, long as you make up for it with what you provide athletically, I think you're going to be fine. Um I'll say a couple cons in his game. He's he's not the strongest guy. He's not going to overwhelm overwhelm anybody physically with just like he's not going to be an Osiris Torrance and just absolutely bully people with his strength. This is not his game. Um, he had a, he had some issues with you know power rushers, you bigger interior defense linemen that rush with power. Um, so ideally, you like to have a bigger guard a bigger guard or two next to him. Like I love like like. Uh, this is it's a lazy comp or a lazy I don't want to say lazy it's just the team that I don't I know the best and I always draw back to the Chargers like he'd be great on the Chargers if they if they didn't have Corey Lindsley he'd be awesome there because you could plug him in at center with two big guards next to him and Zion Johnson and Jamari Sawyer and he'd be just fine with power you wouldn't you really need to work you really wouldn't need to worry about it because for the most part you're always going to have help from one side right so if, if they're playing a Kansas City Chiefs with a Chris Jones who wins with a lot of power, power to speed, speed to power. Me guy wins everywhere he wants, but he's a powerful rusher. Hey, we got to have help on one side of him to just help with the help with the power rush. Um, 
So I think I think I think he's great though. Um, I'm a big fan of Whipler's game. I I really value the athleticism, especially in centers. I think centers that like if you look at Jason Kelsey, and I know this is I'm trying not to make this a bad analogy, but like Jason Kelsey is such a a, a rare and elite athlete. That's why he's so he's undersized. That's why he's so good though. Um, you look at all the best centers in the NFL. So what? Jason Kelsey, Creed Humphrey, Corey Lindsley, Creed put up a ridiculous combine. His numbers at the combine were stupid. His agility numbers were crazy. His first 10, his, his 10 splits were wild. I mean, like, that that's huge for offensive linemen, especially interior guys at center. You've got to be able to snap and step. That's, that's, that's step one. But you've got to be able to move at an elite level because a lot of these guys, they are smaller. I've heard, I heard, I believe it was Daniel Jeremiah talk about this on, on his podcast kind of after the combine. The biggest mismatch in the NFL is the alien freaks that are on the defensive line and the offensive line enough to block them who are in comparison, pedestrian athletes. Now they are all elite athletes. Don't get me wrong. But when you compare the two, you're like, man, this guy looks meh compared to the absolute freakazoid who's in a three point stance across the line from him playing defense. Like, I mean, that's and that's the truth. So that's why you see the elite centers in the NFL are elite athletes. And I think that Luke Wilpers, he's a great athlete. That's why I think he'd be just fine in the NFL. I think he's a day one starter. I think he's a second round pick. Um, I think I think all I guess all these guys are in the second round, um, maybe early third. But I'm, I'm a big fan of Luke Wilpers game. And anyone who needs a center to come in and start day one and, and be and succeed, I think he's one of the guys you can take in this class and do that with. Yeah, I like Whipler a lot. Um... Yeah, like, like I said about him when I was talking about him, I think he'll be really good at the next level. I don't know if he is going to start day one uh, personally, but I just think being with the right guys around him, like you mentioned, will be huge for him. Uh, being a little bit smaller, a little bit younger, it's just that's what's going to be huge in his development and ultimately what leads to his potential at the end of the day. So uh liked him a lot. Is it me or is it you? Because we each have two guys left. Um are you uh I'll take number two real quick. Um and I'll let you get one since I know you love the guy you love the guy at one. Um I got I got Luke John Michael Schmitz at um at number two, center out of Minnesota. The word I gave him was hands, because I think he dude, he's he might have the best hands that I've ever seen from a college center. Um, especially in this class. Um it, it's ridiculous. Um first of all, there's really, again watching his tape. Not a lot of flaws in his game. You don't sit there and go, man, that's that's a problem, or you know, man, that that has to be corrected. I mean, again, he had a he had a great. He was what one of the winners of the Senior Bowl from the consensus. You know, there's always like, oh man, right. Tank Dell won, Tajay Spears won, Michael Wilson won, John Michael Schmitz won the Senior Bowl too. He had a he had an awesome. I had to say Osiris Torrance did as well, um, but John Michael Schmitz had an awesome Senior Bowl. I mean, he's center one for me. Um, I think there's three great. Again, my Two through four were all centers. I think the centers are really good in this class. Um, but again, I'm a big fan of John Michael Schmitz's game. Um, he's a smart player. I believe he was a four-year starter for Minnesota. Or I don't want to say four-year starter. I don't think that's necessarily right. Um, let me check real this real fast. But I'll keep talking on him. Um, but no, he he. What I think was. Here's what I'll say that he's missing from Torrance, and this is not to say anything poor about him because Torrance is really, really good. 
Um, he's not going to, he's not going to overwhelm anybody with just like overall size strength. Um, he's a really good player, but it's not like he's some, I mean, he's six, four, three twenty. So he's a bigger guy. I don't think he's like this crazy, crazy strength athlete. Um, but again, he's a really, really good player. Um, let's see, here we go. He's an older guy. So was that in college for what's this one, two, three, four, five, six years. Um, Three-year starter, though, started the, the COVID year that shortens that six-game year, started all 13 games as a, as a senior, and then started all 12 games as a, as a redshirt senior. Um, again, older guy, doesn't really bother me that much with as good as his game is. Um, and it, the I'll say this, the veteran, like the, like the, the time in college really does show with his game in, in a good way. Um, He's not super, super long. I believe he had shorter, shorter arms, which again doesn't really bother me that much for for centers. Um, I think he's got really powerful hands, though. I think he's got really strong hands. Um, they can sometimes be a hair slow, but that again, that's more. I think him trying to diagnose what's going on less than him being slow with his hands, in my opinion, at least. Um, I will say he could be better with coming off of blocks. I know I talked about that with with um with the Michigan center that you know he never really came off slow. I thought that Schmitz came off a little bit slow sometimes, but um you know with that said, I think he he's got really good zone and power flex, zone and gap flexibility um in terms of scheme. He could go into either scheme from day one and and start um and that that's something you like to see. Because, again, there's such a wide variety. I mean, most – again, most teams run zone. But, like, the Ravens last year, they were, they were they're a gap scheme team. Now, I don't know what they're going to be now with Munkin. They probably run a little bit of both because he ran some at Georgia as well. But, um, you know, the Greg Roman scheme, like, that's – like, when you guys drafted Linderbaum, I was like, well, I mean, he's scheme, he's scheme dependent. He's not scheme dependent, so that's good because um, he can play either scheme. Um, but, again, this is a guy I think that can play either scheme similarly to him. Obviously not the football player that Linderbaum was. I'll make that pretty clear. But um, it's just the mentality he plays with. He can play guard if you need him to. I mean, the senior, but you saw the senior ball. I mean, he was he was lighting dudes up and he was letting them know about it. Like he was pretty. He, listen, he wasn't like a Trevor Penning, 15 yard penalty clinic. You know, personal foul left and right. But I mean, he was playing through the whistle. I mean, through it, and which is what you want from an offensive lineman. That's you want that mentality. You want the mean streak, the finisher mentality, um, which I like. So, again, I, I'm a big fan of John Michael Schmitz's game. Um, maybe this is kind of boring that I admit, too, like everyone else does. But that's just kind of how I feel. Yeah, for sure. I agree. He is it, too, for me, too. Um, I really like him a lot. Older guy, um, you know, fifth, sixth year out of floors. Flossmore, Illinois. You can tell he's an older guy. I mean, he's. Really clean all around. Um, he didn't start till his third year, I believe. Um, I think he only had four starts in his third year. Um, but yeah, 36 starts at center was really, really impressive in the Big Ten. Um, overall, pretty a force just within the O-line. Um, you know, Minnesota never really known for their great O-line. Obviously, last year, they had Daniel Falele, who played pretty well for him. Um He's just a guy that logged a ton of snaps, has a ton of experience. It sucks that he's going to be a little bit older. Um, just fact of the matter that he's 
been around longer. He was a little slower at the combine. Um, 29.5 vertical, 8 foot 8 broad, uh, 26 on the bench, so which wasn't great. Um, but I really liked what I saw overall. Like I said, super clean. Uh, it didn't always take the best angle when you know trying to block downfield on you know when runs break loose and stuff like that over screens and stuff like that um i noticed he was he had pretty good like feet and hands they went together well for being a center they moved well they were fluid together pad level was never a big issue for him it looked like he just improved each season uh based off his stats based off how he played um really really good that he stayed i think i think his stock's highest now and i'm really looking forward to seeing how he does as well i always like these older guys to see how they transition to the next level and how quickly they get acclimated at the game uh being that they were especially him being in a power five let alone big 10 um for this long how it's gonna pay off for him but it's pretty much it you covered most of it uh my guy number one is florida's osiris torrance he is pretty incredible uh just in terms of what he does for that offensive line for that team overall um you look at his game and you might think that there's not a whole lot to him but he's just physically imposing um he was at louisiana lafayette for a couple years then obviously when billy napier went from there the head coach uh he went from lafayette to the university of florida in gainesville um Osiris Torrance followed him, and Torrance was pretty good. Uh, he's pretty well accomplished in the Sun Belt, which was a conference Lafayette was in. He was second team all Sun Belt in 2020 and first team in 2021. He was dominant in the run game. Really, really physical, big dude at the combine. I believe he was 6'5", 330. Um, I think it was probably tough for him early on. He grew up in Louisiana, so... Was, he was pretty close to home playing for Lafayette, uh, being from Greensburg. He's he was only a four-year guy. Um, he wasn't. He's obviously not the most athletic. He had a five-three-one forty, twenty-three and a half inch vertical, eight-foot-five broad. Um, but like I said, I mean, I pretty much covered it. He's physically imposing. He was a great fit uh, when Billy Napier brought him over. And he just, I guess the only knock being, you know, a lot of the more powerful guys, you don't see him move quite as well. Um, But with how physical he was, it didn't really seem to matter a ton. You know, maybe his lack of mobility in the past game or getting out in space was a little bit tough. Um, But he, I mean, he was, he played low for how big he was most of the time. Obviously there would be a few snaps here and there that he would be a little bit high and, get pushed a little bit i mean but he would come back every block um you know every single snap he was putting the hammer down it seemed and i think that's huge for teams that are watching that are you know wanting a guy like that on their o-line and you know whether he projects as a right guard a left guard whatever um maybe able to play tackle if someone goes down just for the sheer size um it's just what he does in the run game can't be denied. And um, it's really, really incredible to see his play 
play really well in the Sun Belt at Lafayette and then also, you know, in the SEC going against incredible D-lines. Um, obviously, a little bit of a jump in competition, and it was just impressive to see how smooth that transition was for him, knowing that he really only spent one season in the SEC. Um, and overall, I just didn't think – because I heard about him last year, and I just didn't know if – obviously didn't know a ton about him, not looking at guys that really aren't declaring. Um, but when you're jumping conferences like that, it's tough, and he did it better than anyone I can remember in a little bit, uh, especially on the offensive line. So props to him. He is my IOL one, like I said, and I don't know if he'll be a day one pick. Could be. Um, I'd say it might be more likely than not that he is, but I just don't know who's going to take him. Don't know what the order is going to be. Don't know who's on the board. All that stuff is pretty uh, up in the air right now. So it'll be fun to see where he ends up. And I'm looking forward to see how you, you know, transition from the Sun Belt to the SEC. How's he going to transfer from the SEC to the NFL? I think that'll obviously, honestly be an easier transition for him. Just going to be kind of refining his game, uh, rounding his game out, and getting a little bit more technical in the past game. So, um, yeah, he's my Iowa one. And it wasn't too close i just really really liked everything i saw from him for the most part yeah um i, I love torrance's game um I mean, he's the only i said there's i could say there's not much to dislike the one thing i will say is that he's he's a he's an average athlete and that's probably never going to change with his with his build about you know the way the way he carries his weight that said Showed up to the Senior Bowl and looked like he definitely kind of recomped a little bit, and he looked really good at the Senior Bowl. Um, and he's just such a mover. He just such a he just he physically he moves people just so well. Um, he's a finisher. He's got the mean streak. Um, heavy hands, violent hands. Guy's an immovable object in in pass pro. Guys are not just gonna bull rush through him. You're gonna the only way you're getting around him is if you can somehow get around him with a speed rush if he's on a slide, if he's on a slide side. Like if he's got, you know, ta- the tackle next to him has got an outside rusher and he's going to take an outside rusher. I mean, it's still, he's still really good in pass pro. His hands are so good that it really doesn't matter. Um, he, he's typically getting, he's typically getting his hands on guys first in pass pro, which is big. Um, just, he's just kind of just, he's ready for him. He's waiting for him, um, which is good to see from a guy who's, a little bit heavy footed at times. Um, but again, man, he's just such a road grader. That guy is effortless power in every, it feels like every rep. It just, you know what I mean? So, but again, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Seeing him go from Lafayette to Florida and the ease of, the, the ease of, of, of jump and play, it wouldn't even, from the Sun Belt to the SEC, he didn't miss a beat at all. I mean, he got, clearly got better. Um, I'm a big fan of his game. I've got him right on the edge of right just inside my top 25 um, on my on my big board right now. Very fluid at the moment. I will talk about that a lot. Um, it actually updated when I I didn't have him in my top 25 prior. Um, got him in there once we got our rankings done. Um, and those will obviously change a lot, but I think he'll probably stay there just as good as his game is. Again, I don't know what who do. I think you're right. I don't know what's going to happen with his stock. I think he. I think he's a first-round caliber player. Obviously, I mean, he's a top 32 player in the draft for me, so clearly I think he's worth a first-round pick. It's just a matter of who's going to take him and where. Um, 
and you look at kind of the back end of the first round, you could see maybe the Bengals taking it, but I think they have bigger needs in the defensive backfield, losing both their safeties. You know, got to probably get better at corner as well. Um, you know, Kansas City doesn't need an offensive lineman. Philly doesn't need an offensive lineman. Buffalo maybe, if Buffalo wants to make kind of the vanilla pick, pick picking an offensive lineman. Um, but, I mean, you could, you could even see them go as high as, like, I've seen them mocked at, like, 19 of the Seahawks or 20 to the Seahawks because they need because they need an interior offensive lineman. So, um, you know, nobody thought Kenyon Green would go, what, 13 last year or 15? Yeah, 15 when they traded. Didn't know that he'd go 15 to the, to the Texans last year, but he did because um, teams, teams needed, they, they felt like they needed an offensive lineman and they wanted to take the what they thought was the best one. You see the Chargers take Zion Johnson at 17, two picks later. Um, cause they wanted an interior offensive lineman and he was their, he was the best guy on their board. Um, you know, it's really going to depend how, I mean, we talk about, I talk about this a little bit. Um, you know, teams every year, there's never 30, 32 first round grades. There's just, that's not how it works. That's why you see a lot of teams that are in the mid to late twenties trade out of the first round. Cause they go, we don't have a first round get on these guys. Somebody wants to go up and get a player. We'll move back. That's fine. Cause we feel like we're not getting good value here. Um, and you're going to see, you see that a lot. Um, and I think this year is going to be similar in the fact you're probably only typically there's and, and I'm and I don't I'm not exactly I have sources this is what I hear from you know top guys in the industry like you know Daniel Jeremiah Bucky Brooks um, Mel Kiper Tom McShay as, as much as people want to knock those guys those guys do have connections on on how many first round grades there are um, there's typically like 15 to 20 consensus first round guys. And then teams can have anywhere from like what 15 to 25 first round grades. Typically, it's never that 25. Like 2021, there was probably 25 first round grades because that was a loaded class. But I mean, there's just a lot of guys that it varies every year. Um, some years there's like not a lot. Some years there's a lot. So um, it depends on how many teams have a first round grade on on Torrance. And again, where do needs fall? I mean, three is just far from over, right? I mean, there, this is the longest I feel like it's taken in a few years to get the big dominoes to fall. I mean, Orlando Brown fell lot late last night. You're still, there's still big dominoes to fall today and tomorrow. So, um, you know, we're going to get a little bit clearer of a picture. I think of what, of what needs really are going to be when you get to the draft. And then I think that we'll get a better idea of where Torrance will land, but he, he is the one guy I think that I think I would probably, t- unless there's a team that wants a center in the back end of the first round, which I don't see happening right now. And maybe Schmitz or Whipler goes in my opinion. But right now, it's going to be Torrance the only guy I think it goes in the first round right now. Again, that could all change. We get needs and stuff. But right now, it's Torrance for me is the only guy I see in the first round, like you said. Probably should be. Again, just a matter of how teams feel about him and, and where needs end up falling um, on April 27th. Yeah, for sure. I agree. It's going to be fun doing that first mock on Monday. Um, you know, what shakes out between now and then, obviously. Um a lot of stuff still to happen. There's still a ton of good free agents out there. You just look at the top ones. Um, you know, Gardner Johnson, Bobby Wagner, I think Clowney, Odell, um, Dalton Schultz, Marcus Peters. I mean the whole Mike I mean the whole, Sticky, end, the whole, the whole tight end the whole the whole tight end group's available. Yeah. All of them. I mean so there's a it, lot yeah. of guys still out there. Yeah. But the draft is heavily affecting this like the linebackers went off the board quick. I mean quick. All yeah. of them on day one it felt like. Because it's a bad linebacker class. And then you go look at the tight ends and no one's been signed yet because it's an awesome tight end class. So you're seeing the direct impact of it right now. Same with the tackle market. Like the tackle market wasn't great. It was okay. It was decent. It was not what I thought it would be. 
and because it's a decent tackle class. So thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, I agree. Um, but we'll get to that on Monday. We'll save some stuff, some analysis for Monday. Uh, we'll get into the format of the draft and how we're going to do the mock on Monday. But um, the last position we have left of our positional ranking episodes, obviously there are going to be some uh, changes to our rankings and stuff like that. But the last position is the quarterbacks. Uh, we each have seven guys. I believe they're pretty much all the same. Um but I think we'll get into this pretty quick. I think we're going to move through it pretty quick and then slow it down as we get to the top. Um, but I'll kick it off first. The two guys I didn't have in my top five were BYU's Jaron Hall and Stanford's Tanner McKee. I'll start with Jaron Hall. Um, he's six foot 207, um, which is a little bit smaller. But honestly, there's been a lot smaller quarterbacks. Um Six foot two oh seven. It'll be twenty five years and a one month at the time of the draft. So the oldest quarterback, second oldest quarterback in this class, um, out of Spanish Fork, Utah. Only about two seasons of action overall. His twenty twenty two stats, he had a sixty six percent completion percentage, thirty one seventy one passing yards, thirty one touchdowns, and six interceptions. So not the best. Obviously, taking over for Zach Wilson um in twenty twenty one, he only played like I said, two seasons. Just not a ton from his game. There wasn't anything that really jumped out. Um, I mean, you look at... Well, let me... See something. Yeah, so you look at overall... I only watched the Baylor and part of the Notre Dame game. Um he just didn't do some, like anything that really jumped out at you. Obviously, he had a bigger arm for guys in this class. You look at, you know, Will Levis and C.D. Stroud, obviously incredibly accurate. But in terms of big-time arm, Jaron was probably up there close to Will Levis. Um, but he wasn't too, I think, technically sound in a lot of his game. Uh, being older, that's not something you want to see. You want to see guys that are more technical as their college career progresses. And, I mean, he was a little bit athletic. He could run every now and then. He was a pretty good athlete. But it's just he didn't – he wasn't the best outside of a clean pocket. And I think they didn't have a battle line. Um Outside of a clean pocket, he was a little bit indecisive, which you never like to see, but his big arm and being able to extend plays did help him in that scenario. Um, being a little bit smaller was also helpful when he was scrambling, just a little bit more elusive. Um, but other, other than that, he wasn't great. He didn't, he couldn't hit every throw. Um, you know, the perimeter routes were tough for him. Obviously, obviously he has the arm to throw it deep. Um the fade balls, the the touch, he didn't have quite the touch that you would hope for. But I think he'll be a good uh, quarterback. I don't know when he's going to go. You figure third round just because this isn't a this is a good quarterback class. It's not great. Um, overall, I mean, I have him seventh. My sixth guy, Stanford's Tanner McKee. Another guy didn't he didn't do a ton that was that special. I think his he was a little bit younger. He's going to be 23 even. I think he turns 23 on day one of the draft. 
He was six foot six, two thirty one at the combine. He threw the ball a ton at Stanford, um, and really only had a couple seasons of action. His combine stats: I think he had thirty three inch vertical and a nine foot six broad. 62% completion percentage, just under 3,000 passing yards, 13 touchdowns and eight picks. So pretty um, underwhelming stats overall. But he does have the size. I mean, he has the size you want in a dropback quarterback, kind of a traditional quarterback build, quarterback, traditional quarterback play style. Um, didn't really run a lot. Couldn't really scramble a ton. He wasn't the most consistent on, you know, the types of throws he had, he had um, that he had worked on. Um, the accuracy wasn't the best and he wasn't, he was a little bit hesitant in the pocket and he wasn't as quick to recognize, uh, pressure from whether that be the backside or even where he could see, you know, you're looking downfield at how the routes are developing and he wouldn't always feel pressure. He didn't have the best pocket presence, but I think he does have potential at the next level. Um, probably more developmental backup kind of guy than a starter, He's probably a third, fourth round guy, but nonetheless, I, does, I do think he has potential. He's playing um, against some good teams. He played, I think he played Oregon, and I think they played Notre Dame. So a uh, couple big time games from him. He did play well in some games. It's just it wasn't as consistent as you would have liked to see. I didn't watch it, but that's to the top five. Um, I mean, I know McKee is like a, he was, a, I mean, he was like a what? A, he was a five-star recruit, commits to Stanford, um, comes from a Mormon family, so he went on like a, I don't really know what they call it, like a mission basically. He went on a mission for like two years, like a year or two. So didn't he got to got to Stanford when he was like 20? Um, so he's an old, a little bit of an older guy, which again is not like a huge deal, but a, it's just a little bit of a big deal. We're talking about like elite quarterback play. Um, didn't watch him a ton, obviously. I mean, Stanford was not very good. Um, and it's not like he was elevating the play either himself, but, um, you know, probably how my rankings would have fallen too with, with Hall at seven and, and McKee at six, if I had to go watch him. Um, but I'll get to my number five here. This is uh, for the most part, this is gonna be chalk. I mean, honestly, what we're going to, what we're going to talk about, is gonna be mostly chalk, which is why we're going to try and roll through it fairly quickly. Um, position number five is Hendon Hooker for me at a Tennessee. I gave him the word veteran, played a lot of college football, man. And then and that's. Had he not torn the ACL, I think he would have – he'd probably be a no later than a second-round pick. The issue is he he tears the ACL. He's not going to play a down of football until he's 26 years old. And that's great because you can say, hey, we all we want from him is one contract. All we're asking for is for four years of football, right? And that's fine because, I mean, again – like tomorrow, if everyone's healthy and I wanted to win a game right now, I'm probably picking Hendon Hooker over Will Levis because I think that right now Hooker's a better football player. But that I don't know how much better Hendon Hooker's getting. I don't think he's going to get much better. I think I mean, he's played six years of college football. Um, you know, starter starter for basically what one, two, three, four, five years. One, two, three, four years he started in college football. Um, played in six games as as a as a redshirt freshman, became the starter as a redshirt sophomore, started as a junior, started as a redshirt senior uh, at Tennessee, and then he's a Heisman candidate in his sixth year at Tennessee. So I mean, I don't know. I think 
he probably would have won the Heisman had he not torn the ACL. But I will say the Tennessee offense is built to throw the piss out of the ball and absolutely light it up, the light up the scoreboard. And it's built for quarterbacks to put up those numbers. So, again, I like Hendon. I'll say on his game, like, he misses some throws sometimes. There are some deep balls he misses. Like, they, enjoy, like they probably would have scored another touchdown against Georgia had he hit Jalen Hyatt on a deep ball. Jalen Hyatt got by Chris Smith. Um, it was a bad pass-off to him. I believe it was him in, in, in one of the corners. Bad pass-off. Hyatt's gone. If he hits him, it's a touchdown. He he walks in from 20 yards out if, if, he, if he hits him. And he didn't, which is – I'm not asking him to be perfect, but that's an example of a, of a deficiency in his game. He's just – he's that's he's not – going to be the best deep ball thrower i think he's a great point guard i think he's a really good diagnoser of, of the defense i think he learned a lot under josh heupel i mean he learned a ton about how to read defenses how to properly kind of sit in the pocket and, and play quarterback i like the athletic upside i think he scrambles well he's not he's not our scrambler he's not a running quarterback but i think he runs well um but again i don't think he's going to get much better and again if you can get him to be a geno smith for the next four years Geno of last year, right? You can get him to be a Geno Smith level player, an average, uh, slightly above average quarterback for four years on a on a rookie deal, and he's thirty and he's out. That's fine, cool. That that's all I'm gonna ask for him if I'm a team drafting him. I think, um, and I'll quickly get to this before I let you get get to him because I'm assuming he's in your number five as well. Um, you know he, I don't know where his, where his draft is gonna stocks gonna end up. He listen. There's a team that could trade into the first round to get him. Honestly, there could be a team that trades into the first round to get him because they they have an aging quarterback, or like the Titans would be a great spot for him. Again, I know that just took Malik Willis, but that that's not panning out. It's just not going to pan out. I don't think Malik Willis is an NFL quarterback. Tennessee seems like a good spot for someone to trade up to get him, right? I mean, Tannehill's probably not there next year. I think Minnesota's a Minnesota's a sneaky team to take him in the first round. I'll be honest. I know they're in win-now mode, but Kirk's not getting any younger. Kirk's deal is not great. I don't think they're going to want to pay Kirk. Why not draft Hendon, let him sit for a year behind a guy who I think is very similar coming out? Kirk was a a, a pocket-passing point guard. He's just, throwing, he's just delivering the football. I'm not going to say it's, like it's going to happen, but that's a sneaky team that I think would benefit from taking him, letting him sit for a year, getting healthy, learning the playbook. That's just, I don't know. It, it makes a lot of sense to me. No, yeah, I agree. I like that spot for him with, with the torn ACL. I think he tore it on November 19th of 2022. So he's probably not ready until the last four or five weeks of the season, which isn't great. Um, you probably just red shirt him basically. But I like him a lot. He's uh he's from Greensboro, North Carolina. He's six foot three, two seventeen. He's gonna be twenty five years and three months at the time of the draft, so a little bit older. Um, you know, top may might be the oldest guy in the draft, probably top three, if not. Um, he didn't do much, anything at the combine, but interviews because of the torn ACL. He has seventy percent completion percentage. He threw for over thirty one hundred yards. He had twenty seven touchdowns and only two picks. Um, I think he's gonna be. Probably picked around 40. That was my guess, projection-wise. I do think he could go in the first round. Obviously, with the injury, it's just tough. It's going to come down to how his interviews were, uh, what the timetable looks like for his rehab process. But overall, um, 
I mean, he has the size to be really, really good at the next level. Um, one of the bigger guys being 6'3", 217, is a pretty solid build. Um, and he was pretty technically sound. Uh, being a six-year guy, you could tell he was a six-year. I think when you look at older guys, you want to see if that extra eligibility, them taking advantage of it, did it pay off for him? Obviously, you look at guys like him. Max Duggan, Stetson Bennett, all these older guys, it paid off for them returning. Um, they all had more experience. They all played better. And while it does suck that he's older and he's coming off injury, I mean, he, he was overall pretty solid, pretty sound game there at Tennessee. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, he played for four seasons. I think he had over 150 attempts in each season. He registered his first year in 2018. But... Really, really liked him overall. Just really a bummer that he tore his ACL uh, late in the season when they were making a push for the college football playoffs. And honestly, you never know what could have happened um, if he was healthy for the, for the remainder of the season. Um, my number four guy, though, is Kentucky's Will Levis. He's out of Madison, Connecticut. He is 6'4", 229. He's going to be two months from 24 at the time of the draft, so a little bit older as well. Um, you'll see you know, everyone's almost 24, it seems like, outside of the top three guys. So Levis spent three years at Penn State, and he transferred to Kentucky for 21 and 22 season. At the combine, he had a 34-inch vertical and a 10-foot 4-inch broad. Uh, both were really solid for the quarterbacks. In 22, he had 65.4 completion percentage, 2,400 yards passing, 19 touchdowns and 10 picks. So uh, the touchdown-interception ratio isn't great, isn't what you would want to see out of a quarterback in the SEC. But nonetheless, he didn't really have anybody around him. What he did have around him last year left to the draft. Um, just really disappointing to see how, you know, he has all the potential and a lot of traits, but you couldn't really see it translate to production because of the lack of talent around him. Obviously, the arm is electric. He can throw fast. He can throw deep. He can throw whatever kind of ball you want him for the most part. He doesn't have all the touch in the world. Um, and a lot of the time, obviously not playing with the best talent, but playing against the best talent, it was tough for him to kind of process some plays, uh, go through his reads when guys were, you know, beating their opponent too often. And he just, I think he has tools to be really good. Uh, I think a team's going to draft him to sit one, sit the first year. Uh, if not, you know, come in, you know, second half of the season, if it's not going quite to plan. Um, but he has the size, like I said, 6'4", 229 at the combine. So really solid size. Um, and I think he has the kind of tenacity you want to see in a modern day quarterback. Um, he has the mobility. He has, you know, the touch um, in most throws. I don't think the precision is quite what you want it to be, but overall, um, I think his athleticism is what's going to get him on the field uh, earlier rather than later. It's just he's going to have to clean up the interceptions. I think he had um, 16 or 17 fumbles across his five years in college, so that's a big issue. Um, and if he cleans that up, I think you know he could really have a bright future in the league. It's all going to depend on who takes him. We think he's going to be a top 10 pick. If not, someone's going to trade up that's outside the top 10 to take him. Um, but, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to see where he goes, honestly. Uh, that's going to be a big deal for him more so than a couple other guys. 
Yeah, I mean, here's the thing with Levis, right? I mean, it, you're betting on the tools. The word I gave Levis was toolsy. I mean, that, that he's got it all. Everything's in the toolbox. The concern is he he did not elevate the offense in any shape, form, or fashion this year when they lost a lot of talent. And that's not the, we're not debating that. I mean, he he definitely the, the supporting cast got worse. But unfortunately for him in college, most quarterbacks can't look at what. And let's take Dalton Kincaid out of the equation just for a second, because I think he's he's like a top 12 player on my board. Look at what Cam Rising does for Utah. Cam Rising's not better than Will Levis as an NFL prospect, but Cam Rising elevates that offense because of what he does, because of the way he runs, the way he can throw the ball, the way he can just sit in the pocket and make the right decision. And I felt like sometimes Will just didn't do that. Um, you know, I think... He's hard. He's a hard player to, to judge. I mean, obviously he left Penn State because he couldn't play over, couldn't get the kids to the field over over Sean Clifford. They tried to use him as like a like a Taysom Hill role, is because he's super athletic. Um, yeah, I think if if Will can go to the right team and figure it out, they'll figure out the whole like quarterbacking, the actual quarterbacking part of it. Yeah, you 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 could see it, but um, you know the the. The 2021 season is very encouraging. I'm kind of surprised they didn't just go out then, to be honest with you. Um, in a bad, in a bad quarterback, he'd have been the first quarterback off the board last year. In a bad class, right? So like, um, you know, I get it. At the same time, he, I get the hype. I think he's going to be a top 10 pick. I think, frankly, I think the Colts are going to be stuck taking him at three, at four. I think, unless they go to three. And they can pick their, they can pick or choose Richardson or Levis, or for some ungodly reason, the first two teams don't take Bryce and CJ in either order, and I don't really care. They're going to be stuck with Will Levis at four, right? That's what I think is going to happen. So, um, again, Will's not ready right now, and that's scary to say about a 23-year-old quarterback. That that's the thing that worries me, right? Is like Will only started two seasons in college. And he's 23 or 22 or 23. Like that, that's the one, like when you look at older, like Joe Burrow played a lot of football, Justin Herbert played a lot of football. And those are two outliers because they're both top five quarterbacks right now. But when you look at like older quarterbacks coming out who aren't, aren't declaring early, they've played a lot of football and Will Levis hasn't done that and hasn't figured it out. So that's my, that's my concern, right? Is like, he, he hasn't figured out the being a quarterback part of it. And He's a redshirt senior. So it's like, what are we doing here? I, I don't know. It's a little concerning. Um, but again, I get it. The tools are all there, man. The, every tool is in the toolbox you want. He makes some stupid throws off his back foot with the, with his arm strength. Um, it's just a matter of like, you know, for every Pat Mahomes where you bet on the arm strength and the talent and the and then the, the crazy stuff he did, or you know, like Justin Herbert who had a crazy big arm, or Josh Allen who had a crazy big arm. For every one of those guys, there's a Malik Willis, or there's like three Malik Willises, or you know, I guess a Jordan Love kind of jury's out on him still, but a guy, you know what I mean, or a Trey Lance, guys who have these all these traits that just Zach Wilson's a great example. Zach Wilson had all these all these tools, and he's terrible. So he's Will's got to figure out the quarterback thing, but I think, like I frankly, I think Frank Reich would been great for him, but he ain't going one. Um, so we'll see. It'd be interesting to see where he goes. Um, great guy, though. Everyone loves him off the field, but 
Um, should be interesting to just kind of see where the NFL teams fall on him. Um, number three, or do you want to, you want to, I'll get you to hit number four first. Or no, you already hit number four. Duh. Yeah, I covered I'll number three. I'll swing to three then. Um, guy, I got a number three. Um, again, I think it was where, I think it was where you're going to sit as well as Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Where I gave him was Alien. I uh, the dude, we talked about it on the, on the combine recap. This dude, was the number one quarterback in every athletic testing measure. He had a pretty – he threw the ball pretty well. Um, here's the thing with Richardson, though. The tape is all over the place. The highs – the peaks are super high, and the valleys are super low with him. And the other thing is he's only started for one season. It, it's a, not a lot of sample size to go off. So, so while he has to get better with experience, I don't think playing him right now is the right way to do that. I think playing him – there is a happy medium to be had. Like Pat Mahomes sat for a year, and obviously he's an outlier. The guy's a the guy's an absolute freak. Trey Lance sat a year in a similar situation as Richardson, and was not very good when he played this year. So um, I think with Richardson, you you've got to get him on the field as a rookie, but it's not in a starting capacity. It's got to be in like a limited. Hey Anthony, like we've got X Y Z plays for you because you're an absolute freak of a human being. Like he might not be from Earth, dude. He is a an absolute specimen. What what was combine numbers? Six foot four, two hundred and forty-four. Yeah, two forty-four and ran a four four what was a four four four? Yeah. Let me see. Four, four, I have RAS pulled ups. Yeah, dude. I mean absolute freak, dude. Spe- I mean specimen does not does not even Again, I don't think he's from Earth. Genuinely, this guy might be an alien from God knows what planet. 443 at 244 pounds with a 15310 split. He jumped a 40 and a half at a 109 broad. That's so dumb. I think people get it. Like he this is the greatest combine performance from any quarterback ever. It's better than what Cam Newton did. It's better than what Dante Culpepper did back in the 90s. It's better than what I mean, shoot, who? Um, Josh Allen had an awesome combine too. This is better to do what Josh Allen did. And frankly, I think the Richardson comp is Josh Allen. That's what I think it is. Josh's tape was a little bit more consistent, but again, he played for two seasons, played for two or three years at, at, at Wyoming. Richardson's a one-year starter, and so I think he's got, he's got. This is why I've got. I mean, people want to kind of hate on Will. It's popular to hate on Will Levis right now. We went through the phase of like, oh, Will's going one. Now he's like the everyone's least favorite quarterback of the four. We already went through the Richardson phase after the combine. Like, oh man, he's going one. Like, we, I think we're past that now, and we're on to like the bright. I think CJ is the hot name right now. At first it was Bryce, then it was Will, then it was Richardson, then it, now it's CJ. So the thing you got to remember is when you're going to talk about Will Levis seven deficiencies, you've got to say the same thing for Richardson because he's got the he's got the same deficiencies. Now I will say this: the flashes are there of him being able to process and sit through and, and actually go through the progressions and make the right decision. The thing you got to, you got to do with Richardson when you, when you get him in the building is he's got to learn. You got to learn how to actually sit in the pocket and play quarterback on a consistent basis. And he's got to learn. You don't have to take, take like swing for the fences on every single rep. You can take the check down on third and seven and get yourself to fourth and manageable. And then, Hey man, we can run quarterback power on fourth and two. We're going to get it. Cause we, cause you're a, cause you're a tank. Right. Like he's got to learn to take 
to cut the losses sometimes just and just take the short stuff and take the check down or take the take the flat route to a tight end. He doesn't have to go for the long ball or, or try and make some spectacular play every single rep. But you do see the ability to do that. Like it's the two point conversion against against Utah or the, the touchdown or two point conversion against Utah where he's I mean, Utah has him dead to rights in the backfield. I mean, dead to rights. He breaks two tackles, runs around, looks like prime Russell Wilson with the Seahawks. And, and and makes a, a, a ridiculous play to extend it and then finds a wide open guy in the back of the end zone. I believe that was a two point conversion to win the game. Like he it's there. It's just it's so inconsistent. You've got to be able to figure out a way to rein him in and and teach him to hey, take the short stuff, do this, take it easy, you know, you don't have to do all this spectacular stuff on every single play. You can just take the short stuff and go to the next one, right? So, um, that said, I, I do, I do really like his game. I think he's the biggest boomer bust prospect in the entire class. He could be an absolute monster. He could be one of the best quarterbacks in the league in four years. He could also be Zach Wilson in three years, right? Like we don't know. So I think he's a gamble. I, I don't think the Panthers move up to one to take him. I'll say that. Like, I don't think you, you moved all that capital to take the most volatile player in the now, I think now that said, he would be so awesome with Frank Reich, dude. I think he would benefit so heavily. That said, I think they're taking Bryce or CJ at one, and I think I don't think the Texans are taking Richardson either. So where he goes, I'm honestly I, I don't know. I think there's a team. I think Arizona holds that pick for a King's ransom, and somebody goes to three to get a quarterback, get ahead of of Indy, and get a quarterback. Now, if Arizona was smart, they'd flop with Indy, and then they'd move back again. To you know, in case somebody wants to get take you know get in front of Seattle or whatever, right? So, you know, but again, I don't know where Richardson's gonna be. I think he's gonna be the third quarterback off the board. I just don't know who's gonna take him yet. But that said, I think I think he's gotta go to the right place. Similar to Levis, he has to go to the right place, the right coaching staff to be able to rein him in and harness what he's got, and rein in the bad, and just just the inability to kind of play quarterback sometimes. No, I agree. Um, he is my QB three as well. Um, his arm strength mixed with that athleticism and the size he possesses is really unique. Um, the accuracy isn't always there with the throws. Uh, the mechanics aren't the best. Uh, I'll try to touch on a couple things that you didn't mention. I mean, he's going to turn 22 in May, so a little bit older. He spent three seasons at Florida, but before this past season, he only had 66 attempts in his career. Um, so not a ton of attempts, obviously you need to get, he needs to get a lot more, you know, throws and a lot more work on his passing game. Uh, he had a 53.8% completion percentage, which isn't great. 2,500 passing yards, 17 touchdowns and nine picks. So, um, not the best passing stats there. Nonetheless, going to good against good competition without the best, you know, offense around him. Obviously, like we mentioned, they had Osiris Torrance, but he's not catching too many passes for you. Um, their skill position wasn't the best. Um, yeah, it's tough. I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to be a top four pick. That's where I have him projected right now. Um, I don't see how he slips out of the top four. But overall, I'm just wanting to see how he develops in year one, um, whether he plays 
eight games, zero games, every game, whatever. Um, I just want to see how he develops and how quickly he can develop. Um, obviously, needing a lot of development in the past game, I think more times than not, we see guys not really develop in the time that they're not playing. Obviously, Trey Lance didn't seem like he developed a ton. Um, Jordan Love, I guess we have to wait and see. Mahomes obviously did. Um, I mean, Lamar in the eight games, he didn't play to start his career. He was good when he came in. So a lot of the times you see guys not develop, and you, obviously there's a few that do, but more times than not, um, guys aren't developing like you think they should or they would. And I just don't know what to expect with Richardson. It is a risky pick, like you said. Um, probably the riskiest prospect in this class in terms of where he could get drafted and what he could end up being. And I just don't know if if I were a fan of a team that you know, was up at the top of the draft needed a quarterback. I don't know if I'd be taking a chance on him in the top four. Um, well, he especially has such unique traits and athleticism and everything. Um, I don't know if I'd be drafting him that early, but nonetheless, that's just the name of the game nowadays. Um, you know, having what he has at the position he's at is going to lead to, you know, you being selected pretty early, but he's my QB three. Um, like I said, top four pick. Top two QBs are probably going to be top two picks. My QB two is not CJ Stroud. It is Alabama's Bryce Young. He's out of Pasadena, California. Um, at the combine, he was 5'10", 204. When he plays, it's probably closer to 190. He's going to be 21 years and nine months, so second youngest in the draft. I mean, he's a true three-year guy, all three at Alabama. He only attempted 22 passes in 2020, so basically just two years of actual playing experience. And his stats were slightly better in 2021 when he won the Heisman, but granted he did have better uh, players around him as well. This year he didn't really have much outside of Jameer Gibbs. Um, his stats this season were 64.5% completion percentage, 3,300 passing yards, 32 touchdowns, and five picks. Um, overall, I like him a lot. He's most people's QB1. I just think with the lack of size um, and him taking a step back, even though his weapons, the quality of weapons took a step back as well. Um, you know, if you're number one QB, I think he should have played a little better this season, um, you know, with another year under his belt of experience. Obviously still had a good QBR um, and all that. He still had good stats and everything. Heisman finalist. Um I mean, he's really accurate. A lot of the times I think the knock on him is he doesn't have the best arm strength, being a little smaller. Um, you know, deep ball accuracy isn't the best, but as we saw in the Sugar Bowl um, and a couple of games prior, he can throw, you know, throws on the money. I mean, there was a couple end zone shots from, can't remember who they were playing, um, just ridiculous throws. And... Overall, he has all the tools to be a really good QB. Um, presumably, you think he's starting day one. I think he should be fine, depending on what the weapons, what the team has around him in terms of weapons. Because um, I think he's going to need that. You saw how much better he was. And obviously, that's like common sense. Like, the better the guys are around you, the better you're going to play. But I think it's more so for him. And if you don't have the right re- weapons around him, like some teams picking high don't because they were bad last season unless they go in free agency and make it a point to acquire weapons, I think Bryce 
might not have the first year everyone's anticipating. Um, but I did like he was his ability to scramble was pretty um, he was pretty good at that. And overall, I think he knew that offense really well. I think he was more comfortable in it more so than quarterbacks prior. Uh, you look at Hertz, obviously transferred to uh, Mac Jones. All those guys were good. Um, you know, two are probably the best of those three. But Bryce was – he probably had the worst weapons out of all of them, and he played pretty well. I mean, obviously better than Mac and Jalen. But I just don't know if Bryce is better than CJ uh, in terms that CJ could throw every ball. Um, he was more consistent with his accuracy. Obviously, CJ was playing with better weapons, but – he was also bigger. CJ's a little bit younger, a little bit bigger, and he played, you know, obviously they both sat early on behind NFL QBs now. But I just like CJ a little more. I'll get into that in a minute after you touch on uh, CJ. But I think my main thing with Bryce is how is it going to translate to the next level, being a little bit smaller, a little undersized. We see it pan out sometimes, and sometimes we don't. Obviously, he's not the athlete Kyler is, but Kyler, Kyler is smaller. And, I mean, he's a hair smaller than Bryce at playing weight, but I just don't think Bryce has a consistency as a deep ball passer and as a, what's the word, as a field general to kind of, take a team over the top on his rookie contract um so i mean it's risky to draft him obviously it's one of the safer quarterback picks and i think it'll be a really good pick whoever takes him in the top two um but i just think it's a little bit riskier than you know a lot of people are seeing right now and i just i hope it pans out i want all these guys to play well and have you know good uh long careers but i just don't know if it's going to pan out especially early on for him yeah um I'll just go ahead and since we're on Bryce, I'll just talk Bryce and then I'll we'll get to CJ second. So Bryce is my QB one. Um, the word I give Bryce is creator, and that's what I think separates him and CJ. Um, Bryce's ability to create plays when there's nothing there, I think, is what separates him as a quarterback from CJ. Whereas I think CJ is more of a point guard. I broke my rule. This is the only time I did it this whole year in scouting in these guys was I gave him one word. I gave CJ two words as a point guard. I think he is the, he's the best point guard in the class. Nobody sits in the pocket and distributes the football better than CJ does. But the reason I think Bryce is better is because the name of the, you look at all the quarterbacks, the, the, the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, they all can distribute the football really, really well. But what makes them, what sets them apart is their ability to create plays when, when crap hits the fan, like when, like when everything goes wrong, I don't. I'm not worried about Bryce Young figuring out where to throw the football or getting it or making a play out of nothing. Or he's like Texas should have had him dead to rights to win the game in a sack. He ducks under it. He steps up. He makes a big throw and they get a first down. And they go win the game. And I'll say this: when 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 they needed drives in get Auburn in 2021, Texas this year, and those are the two that come to mind immediately. The offense did not play well prior to the game. The, the opposing defense played awesome. But when they needed a drive to go win the football game, Bryce Young was that dude. Bryce Young put the team on his back. He drove on the field. And he won games for him. And that's something that I think is intangible. I think it's – you can't measure it. And I just think that it's something that, that he, he he does better than anybody else in the class. He's a gamer. He wins football games. He's He plays big when it matters. 
it wins on our quarterback stat. I, I think that's a terrible statistic. What I'm what I care about is like, do guys elevate their play in big moments? And, at, and especially in college, in the NFL, it's a little different because talent around you matters so much and scheme matters so much in the NFL. Um, as good as a quarterback is, not every quarterback's going to be elite on every four, every fourth quarter drive because if you don't have the guys around you to do it, it's just not going to happen. In college, you can make it work because the talent discrepancy is so wide from Bryce Young to the safety he's playing against or the middle linebacker he's playing against, right? So the fact that Bryce was able to elevate his team in big moments in games mattered to me. And I think that, again, he's a total outlier. I'm not going to lie. I mean, he's an outlier. He's not going to play over 200 pounds. He's going to play at about 185, 190, if we're being generous. He's not. He's never going to be a big quarterback. He'll go down history as a, as a 204-pounder because this is what he went at the combine. He's never going to play that big. And and that's an out, he's going to be an outlier. He's going to take some massive hits. But what I will say is, he only got banged up once at, at Alabama. Um, I believe he got an ankle rolled up on. So, like, that's not his fault. Like, that's not it. him being small didn't cause that injury, I didn't feel like. So, um, or if he gets a knee bent backwards or whatever, like, that's something you got to have a, a, a big Ben could get that injury or Bryce could get that injury. Like, I don't think him, I don't worry about him taking hits in the NFL long term. I, the size really doesn't bother me because what he does with the football and the, 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 the ridiculous throws he can make, he's not, he, listen, he's not Anthony Richardson. He's not going to go throw a 70 yard football. He's not going to flat footed at his pro day, throw a 67 yard football. Like, this is not going to happen. But I think he drops, he drops balls in buckets. He, I think he watched it against Kansas State. I mean, he put on a clinic, dude. I mean, a clinic. And there was, there wasn't a single throw he missed. I think we're. I think him not throwing at the combine has kind of allowed people to kind of forget about Bryce a little bit and how good he is with the football in his hands. And I think again, what's what for me? Yeah, the numbers weren't better this year as a, as a junior, but I mean, yeah, that offense was bad. The offensive line got much worse. The leading receiver on that team was was Jameer Gibbs. They they for some reason they lost they lost it they lost receivers to the portal. None of their freshmen really stepped up from from freshman to sophomore year. Obviously you lose J Mo and you lose John Mechie. That's that's huge. The guys in that in that in that room never really stepped up. I think that's why you're seeing some of these guys leave because they didn't. And Nick Saban's not going to tolerate that. So the numbers going being a little worse really doesn't bother me. I think the quarterback play itself was better. I think he was better. Scanning the field, I thought he was better actually throwing the ball. Like the actual throws he made, I think were better this year. And I think he, again, the ability to create and the ability to just, the innate ability to make literally something out of quite, quite literally nothing. He's dead to rights. And he, that's I think the advantage he has being that small. It's hard, it's hard to tackle him. It's hard to get hands. And keep him down because he's just he's so slippery. You see it with Kyler all the time. Obviously, Kyler's an elite athlete side to side. Nobody is the athlete that he is at that size. But what I will give Bryce is just it's the instinct to get up and escape in the pocket or kind of roll out and make a play. So I mean, to me, that that's what separates him. It's not a lot that separates him. I mean, they're they're right now on my big board, Bryce is Bryce is three and CJ's four. I they're both awesome quarterbacks. For me. 
it's a stylistic preference of I think Bryce creates better. And I think that's going to transit to the NFL a little bit better. And I think, again, the size doesn't bother me. He's an outlier, 100%. But I'm okay betting on that. I'm okay saying, yeah, he's an outlier, but I don't care. Outliers are outliers for a reason. There has to, Somebody has to break the, break the mold, right? Someone's got to be an out. There has to be outliers in, in, in these massive statistical quantities we've got of all these NFL quarterbacks to ever exist. There has to be outliers. Drew Brees is an outlier. Russell Wilson's a bit of an outlier. And again, I think Bryce Young is also an outlier. I think Bryce is going to succeed at the next level. Every quarterback needs weapons in the NFL, right? Like he talked about it, like his weapons are bad at Alabama this past year, other than Jameer Gibbs. The weapons probably aren't going to be great in the NFL wherever he goes. They say that about every quarterback. And I mean, shoot, you look at every quarterback. I mean, when Jamar Chase got hurt, that offense suffered in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow did not play as well without Jamar Chase. Justin Herbert didn't play as well without Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Let's take Mahomes out of the equation. He's an alien. At times when Gabe Davis was hurt, that offense suffered in Buffalo, right? Like that's just it, that. Like Lamar Jackson suffered at times because because his, his weapons were terrible, right? I mean that uh, you can follow that norm in the NFL if you've got to have to, for quarterbacks to succeed at the highest level and for them to fulfill their potential, they've got to have weapons around them. So I think whoever, like I think. Whether it's CJ or Bryce or the Texans at two, I think they're taking an offensive player at 12. Or what? Or 11. We have 12, but that's their pick. They either trade back or they take receiver one. Like that's what I think is going to happen. And if it's CJ, they're taking JSN at 12. I'm telling you right now, if they take CJ Stroud at two, they're taking JSN at 12. I'll, I'll book that. Like I'd put money on it. As soon as CJ gets picked, I, I can't sports bet in Texas. But if I could, I'd go online immediately and place money on, on JSN being the pick at 12. Familiarity, you saw it. Guys get, you know, Jamar gets paired back up with Burrow. Uh, Waddle gets paired back, paired back up with Tua. You get Smitty back with with Jalen, who play a little bit together. Um, you know, when when Smitty was a freshman and before Jalen left as as a, uh, as a as a sophomore. But I mean, it's just I don't know. I think that again, that's what separates him for me is that Bryce is such an elite creator and. Like, I don't think there's anything he can't do on a football field. Like I'm not gonna ask. I'm not asking him to go throw 70-yard bombs. This is not his game. His game is to sit there and create, scan the field, and deliver the football with elite accuracy, which I think CJ does as well. Again, the, the separating factor for me is is Bryce's ability to create. I don't. The size for me doesn't doesn't bother. Yeah, I, I see it. Um, and most definitely, CJ definitely had more structure, and you know. Bryce was more of a improviser, and I think that was definitely beneficial to Bryce's game and helping him more round out his game uh, because of him not having quite the structure, not having the weapons, not having the O-line this past season especially. Um, and that's something that CJ did have in his two years that he played at Ohio State. Um, but yeah, CJ... I'll also, I'll, real quick, I'll also add this. When I did their, their evals, because they're so similar... I thought, how would they look if they switched teams? Like how, like how, if you just swapped them and dropped them in today or from day one of the season. And I think we wouldn't be having the conversation we're having if Bryson was at Ohio State. That, that was, the, again, the other thing for me that separated this was, how does this conversation change if they're switched teams, right? And I think CJ would have done awesome things at Alabama. I think the offense would have been different because they would have played to a different, little bit different of a skill set. Whereas they were able to kind of let Bryce run around a little bit and CJ a little yeah. more structure. But again, 
I think if you put Bryce in that Ohio State team, we're talking about a national champion, maybe. That's all. That's the only thing I wanted to add in was like, I think the ways in which Ohio State struggled offensively, I think Bryce would have over. I think in the ways that Alabama struggled to, to move the ball offensively, sometimes an you know, Northwestern game, the Michigan game. I think if you drop Bryce Young on that on that team, I don't think they struggle as much. That's a, I don't know if they beat Georgia. I don't know. Marvin Harrison Jr. going out totally kills that game, and I hate it. But that was one thing that I that was huge for me. It was like, man, what if I just switched him? And I think Bryce would have just done crazy things with that receiving core. No, I agree. Yeah, it's definitely something to think about when talking about QBs and who really is the best. But I think overall, CJ was just cleaner. Um I mean, he's 6'3", 214, so he's five inches taller and probably 20, 25 pounds heavier. Two months younger than Bryce, uh, but he also spent three seasons at one college in Ohio State. Uh, redshirted in 2020 as he was under Justin Fields on the depth chart. Um, he was also slightly better in 2021 and, you know, only two years of experience uh, in terms of, you know, full-time playing. He had a 66.3% completion percentage. He had almost 3,700 passing yards, 41 touchdowns, and six interceptions. So similar ratio to Bryce. Um, I think the thing with him was just accuracy with every throw. Um, it's it, He wasn't really rivaled in that, in this QB class, I think. Obviously, you're throwing to receivers that are most of the time a little bit more open uh, just because of how good they are. Um, and even though he did have a good bit of structure in the pocket playing with a really good O-line, um, there would be some pressure and he would have to move and improvise and stuff like that. But overall, he had all the production. Um, he improvised when it was needed. Obviously, he wasn't, didn't run too much compared to the other guys in this class. Um, but there were a couple times where he was a little bit hesitant in what he wanted to do with the ball, where he wanted to move. And that did cost him overall. It didn't cost him too much. They were still a really good team. Um, he didn't do anything at the combine other than throw. And I don't think that really hurt him at all. You know, it would have probably hurt him if he did it rather than help him. So I think that was a good choice on his part. Um, you know, obviously throwing was big for him. He, was really accurate when he did throw uh, with the routes they had them throwing. So honestly, I was impressed. Obviously, I've seen a lot from the past couple of years on him, you know, being last year with the receiving core and Garrett and Olave and JSN and this year with Marvin Harrison and stuff like that. So he obviously, like I said, had the guys around him. It was more just how was he going to take advantage of it and having 85 touchdown passes in two seasons was really really impressive and even when his weapons went down this past season he still had marvin harrison uh julian fleming wasn't bad and he just took advantage of what he had he was in full command and i think it's really what paid off the most for him being in a really good system was that he could work on everything he wanted to and nothing that he didn't have to in improving his stock and with him improving his accuracy like i said he didn't scramble a ton but i think he can he's probably not going to be the best runner 
Um, not the most smooth athlete overall, but just what he does on the football field as a true quarterback, you know, commander of the offense, I think is the best in this class. And that's why I do want to see him go to a team. Um, I mean, if you look at first overall, it's the Panthers. The Panthers don't really have any weapons as of now, trading DJ Moore to the Bears. But I do want to see him go to a team with at least someone out wide he can kind of pair up with, whether that be through the draft, like you said, with JSN, or through free agency, you know, through a trade, whatever. Um, still plenty of guys to be had out there that you can acquire. Um, so it'll be fun to see what weapons are or what weapons he and Bryce are surrounded with and how that will help their games in the long run. Because I think ultimately for those two guys, they aren't the Trevor Lawrence or the Joe Burrow. Um, you know, while both those guys, more so Joe Burrow, were given weapons, um, I think they're going to need weapons more so. So interesting class. Um, that's it for my rankings. I'll let you finish up. But yeah, I like this quarterback class. And I think there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be good really long pros more so than elite. I think a lot of these guys are going to have long careers rather than, you know, take the jump that we saw from Trevor Lawrence this year, Joe Burrow last year. So it'll be interesting to see how they do um, produce, especially on their rookie contract and what kind of second contracts they're going to be earning. Yeah. Um, I'll go kind of go back to CJ here. I, man, I love his game though. He, he's the best distributor of the football in the class. Um, his game, the way he plays actually reminds me a lot of Joe Burrow. Um, I, the, what I will say, and I think this comes with just playing more football and playing a little more out of structure, is what Joe did and what separates him as such an elite quarterback is the innate ability to just – he feels the pocket, he steps up, and when he needs to go, he's gone. He's out of the pocket and he's moving. He's, he's going. He's not, looking to, he's not looking to throw the ball longer. He's not rolling out and looking to – Throw the ball. He just he goes. He cuts his losses and takes the yards. And I think that's something that you is it's an intangible. It's hard to coach. Um, you can consciously think about, hey, I need to step up and go, which is great. But Joe does it in innate ability, and that's that's the one thing that I think he does that CJ doesn't do. But that said, CJ drops the ball. I mean, dude, he he throws every throw on the football field. He's making from the pocket, right? Like off platform on the run. That's different. We can talk about that later because I don't think he's a bad on the run quarterback. He's just not his game. He's most comfortable sitting in the pocket in structure, throwing the ball, which is fine. That's not that's not nothing's wrong with that. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a learning curve going to the NFL for him more so than I think Bryce. And I only say that because I think when you look at his – I hate the helmet scout, but when you – and there's context to be provided here, but Leo Ohio State quarterbacks – namely Justin Fields, it w- it's still a learning curve for Justin because I don't think he's the processor that CJ is. But when you look at them going to the next level, at Ohio State, everything is in structure. They have such elite receivers, such elite coaching, such elite offensive line play, that everything's in structure, and not often do you have to play out of structure. And I think you have to play out of structure a lot. In the, like Half the time, you're playing out of structure, if not more than the NFL, right? So... There's going to be a learning curve, I think, for CJ, and that's fine. There's a learning curve for every quarterback. Bryce is going to have to learn the learning curve in the NFL that, hey, I'm going to be really small, even smaller than I was in college compared to these guys. And I've got to be able to make plays while being small. And I think for CJ, it's going to be, man, I've got to be able to play a little more out of structure. And I think, again, in the Georgia game, it was incre- incredibly encouraging for him, right? 
in the Michigan game, they got him out of structure and he looked bad. I mean, Frank just did not play well. It was a bad game for CJ. But you look at the Georgia game, who, dude, nine out of those 10 starters, nine, nine of the 11 starters are, you know, what, probably 10 of the 15 or 16 guys that regularly play on that team are going to be NFL starters, NFL players that he will see on Sundays or will be on his team, whatever. Point being, he put a lot of those concerns to bed. He he escaped the pocket really well. He played out of structure really, really well. He created really, really well. He ran the ball well with his legs. He extended plays great. And if we can get that C.J. Stroud in every rep, sky's the limit for him, right? The problem is he's got to be able to do it at a consistent basis. If you take the Georgia game away, it's a different conversation. And that's, and that's very fair. But again, the Georgia game exists. That tape exists. It's just like Rashawn Slater. He doesn't have the Chase Young tape. He's not this top 10 prospect. But guess what? It existed, and he dominated. So that's why we talk about him in that light. Same way with C.J. Stroud right now. He dominated against a Georgia defense that's that was one of the best defenses ever in college football history. There's no doubt about that this past season. And even if you extend it out another season to 2021, one of the best college defenses ever assembled. And CJ diced him up. He looked great, just as Bryce did in the call in the SEC championship game the year before. All right. I mean, he diced him up. So, you know, while I think while I think there's a learning curve for CJ, I think it's gonna be if teams can just again get him get that version of him more often, he's gonna be just fine. The, the learning curve will be far less steep. It'll be the same as it is for every rookie quarterback. If they can get that C.J. Stroud against Georgia, if they can get that out of him a little bit more. And he even said it in, in his at his, at his combine presser. He was like, hey, I, I was not good this season with my legs. I should have run the ball a lot more. And he said in the Georgia game, I went in knowing that, and I felt like I run the ball a lot well against Georgia, a lot, a lot, well, a lot better against Georgia, and I thought he did it more. And he's like, yeah, that's something I worked on over the over that break the, before the Georgia game. And that's great. He's so very self-aware. He admitted that he was bad prior to that. And that's that's great. Honestly, I, I love the accountability from him there. Um, I, I think CJ is an awesome dude. Again, him and Bryce are three and four on my board. I don't I don't dislike either guy. There's just a preference on what I like in quarterbacks more. That's all that's all it is with those two guys. Um, I think CJ in the long run is probably the safer pick. Just just from a like, hey, there's less injury concern with the size. Um, I don't think he's like I think if you want to win a game tomorrow, I think Bryce is probably your better option. If you want to win week one, like the first game of the year, only because I think Bryce plays out of structure more. I think he's more prepared for that in the NFL. But it's not that not that far off, dude. These guys are so good. Um, like I don't think they are generational quarterbacks. But that's how you don't find those that often. That like Trevor Lawrence's are rare. You just don't find those kind of guys. So, um, but I'm a big fan of Bryce and CJ. Um, you know, I hope for their sake that they're never going to be like tied together for like you look at like Burrow and Herbert are forever tied together because they're in the same draft class and everyone wants to pit them against each other. Those guys have nothing but awesome things to say about each other through the draft process, through the NFL. Like those guys have nothing bad to say about each other. And they're both awesome players and awesome quarterbacks. I hope this doesn't happen with Bryce and CJ because these guys are awesome. They're really good quarterbacks. They're they 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 grew up in the same area. They know each other. They train together. Like these guys appear to be really good friends. And I hope that 
the NFL and social media doesn't pit them against each other, especially right now, especially when they get to the NFL. Like these guys are both awesome. They're 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 awesome in their own right. Like what they're good at is different than the other, right? Like Bryce, what makes Bryce so special is his ability to create and re- and, and and extend plays and, and read the defense. What CJ is really great at is the ability to just literally sit in the pocket and and drop a ball in a bucket anywhere on the field, anywhere, and throw it with elite accuracy. That's different, but and that's fine. These guys are both awesome quarterbacks. I don't know what that. I don't want that to get lost in translation with us both having them differently and disagreeing on a couple of things with them. Like they're both awesome. Again, they're right next to each other on my board. Um, I think they're going to be awesome quarterbacks in the NFL. There's a large gap from one to like Bryce and CJ are top five players for me. I moved Richardson on my top twenty-five. When I watch more of him, of his actual tape, he's not a top twenty-five player for me right now. Either is Will. So there's a big gap between these guys. I think again it, but. Quarterbacks have overdrafted because of potential, because of potential value. So big board doesn't reflect that. Big board doesn't reflect positional value for at least for me. So um, but these guys are awesome. They're awesome players, they're blue chip talents. Um, and if either one went one, cool. I, I get it. I've loved the pick. I'm not gonna be mad if CJ goes above Bryce. That's not how it's gonna be. He's awesome. I would get it. I absolutely understand, but I also get it if Bryce has picked one. I understand that too. So um just wanted to kind of cow off the conversation on that note with these guys are both awesome quarterbacks. I'm rooting for both of them. Um, I hope that the, you know, the NFL doesn't do its thing where they pit them against each other for the whole careers. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they do progress in their different ways, especially year one, I think is going to be really big. Uh, it always is for rookie quarterbacks. So um, that's pretty much all we have on them. All we're going to have for now um, for any changes or anything that comes about um, between the two, we will definitely talk about it on the pod. But for now, that's it. That wraps up our final positional rankings episode where we covered interior offensive linemen and quarterbacks. The draft is Thursday, April 27th at 6 Central. So we'll be definitely be looking forward to that. Uh, it's going to be a big day. 31 draft picks. And a whole lot of, you know, things that can go down between now and then with, you know, big board rankings and, you know, player team fit and team order uh, in terms of picks. We've already seen some change, but nonetheless, it's going to be exciting. Um, We'll have our normal episode out pretty soon here. Just talking about, like I said at the beginning of the episode, um, you know, Early stages of free agency recap, NBA standings update, golf update. Um, you know, we're going to talk about each touch on a few of the big signings that we want to mention. And then starting Monday, we're going to have our first mock draft Monday. And it's going to be one round. Um, might be a few trades thrown in there, maybe not. Uh, and we're going to, you know, as of what we know now, put guys to teams that we think is going to fit best that we think is going to work out based off who else they have on their team, you know, through free agency or earlier in the draft or what have you. So, uh, look, we're really looking forward to that and make sure y'all tune in, follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at cold seat podcast. And I think that wraps up. We will see y'all in a few days. See you guys soon.